Okay, Parshas told us, um, we're doing page Kufnu and Gimel, which is the first piece from the Rebbe on, on this week's Parsha. It's a short piece, so I don't have all the underlines. I may skip a couple of lines here and there, but we're going to do most of the piece. Um, okay, so we talked a little bit last week, we touched on the idea that Avram Avinu embodies Ahava Hashem. We didn't really discuss Yitzchak's role in that, so we're going to get into that a little bit today. But I wanted to just, one of the, one of the beauties of Nesiv Shalom, one of the beauties of the Sefer is he takes these Kabbalistic and concepts in Chassidus that are sometimes very difficult to wrap our heads around, and he really makes them very simple and easy to digest. So I think uh, th- this is a piece that, these are all concepts we've heard, that we've probably been familiar with, but exactly how they worked maybe was not always so clear. And I think you'll see from this piece how the Rebbe makes it very, very clear for us. So let's start. So the Pasuk, the opening Pasuk of the Parsha starts off with, these are the children of Yitzchak, the son of Avram. Okay, so far so good. Everything there seems uh, informative. But then the Pasuk says, Avram Hoyleris Yitzchak. Avram gave birth to Yitzchak. Avram begat Yitzchak. Uh, and the question is, we just said Yitzchak ben Avram. I know, if I tell you that somebody's father's name is so-and-so, and then I ask you, who did he have as a child? You, you would, it seems that the Pasuk is very repetitive. So, Hamafarshim Amdu, al-Omru ve'elu toldus Yitzchak ben Avram. So first, the, the, the Mepharshim want to know why, ben Avram. why does it have to say the son of Avram? We already learned in, in two weeks ago's parsha and last week's parsha, we're very well aware of the relationship between Avram and Yitzchak. So it, it doesn't seem even necessary to say Yitzchak ben Avram. But then, and it's not like the Torah always gives us the yichus when it tells us who's someone's children, because we have this by Noach, it says these are the children of Noach, it doesn't mention his father's name. Elo told us Yaakov, these are the children of Yaakov, it doesn't mention his father's name. It doesn't mention their father's name. The last three words, the last four words, Avram Hoyleris Yitzchak, seems completely extra. Right, the question that we mentioned, it seems very obvious. So, so the idea that we're going to bring out is there's some message in this, that the Torah tells us who father Yitzchak was and then repeats whose son Avram was. So the Gemara says, So if you remember the first week when we introduced the Nesiva Shalom, we talked about the Sabach Kedisha Mislanim, who he's quoting here. And there we mentioned his Sefer, the Yisoyed Havoyde. He also wrote another Sefer called the Be'er Avram. So this comes from the Be'er Avram. He brings us a Medrash. The Medrash says that fathers are a crown for the sons, and sons are a crown to the fathers. Where do we see the Shinam? It says, Some the Pazak and Mishlei says that the glory of children is their fathers. And there it's actually referenced to grandchildren. We'll see what, why, why specifically grandchildren. So he brings Psukim, the Medrash brings Psukim that says that we, the glory of fathers are, son, are their sons and the glories of sons are their fathers. So he goes on to explain. Now, to go on to explain, he takes a, different, he takes a turn. He takes like a little bit of a turn. So we mentioned, and we'll just briefly remind ourselves, that 
There's two ways to serve Hashem. There are two primary ways to serve Hashem. You can serve Hashem, and we, we mention this on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur all the time, like an Evid to his master. That is the idea of Yira. An Evid, a slave mostly, or a servant mostly serves his master because he's afraid of the repercussions if he doesn't do a good job. A child to a parent, we hope at least, is he's doing something for his father because he wants his father to be proud of him, because there's love for his father, because he's appreciative of what his father does for him. It's a love-based relationship. There are two ways to serve. And our relationship with Hashem is both of them. Now, very often what comes up in, in all different areas of Torah is which one is primary. And we mentioned last week, I think it was last week, maybe it was two weeks ago, that there seems to be conflicting, conflicting... Uh, emphasis on which one is more important. So here the Rebbe is going to explain to us how the two work together. He says, the beginning of Avoidah, when a person starts to serve Hashem, the base, the foundation of serving Hashem has to be based on Yira. Has to be based on, on, it's translated as fear, but I always prefer the translation awe. Right? The example I like to give is, if you've ever gone to a tzaddik for a bracha, if you've ever gone into the room, to, for, if you've ever been in Eretz Yisrael, or even here, you've gone into a tzaddik for a, for a bracha. When you walk into that room with the tzaddik, you feel a little bit afraid. You, there's, there's a level of fear. And if you ask yourself, if you stop to ask yourself, what are you afraid of? There's no chance that this tzaddik, no matter what you say, is going to punch you. Right? There's no chance he's going to hit you. There's no chance he's going to get you to lose your job. Right? He's not, there's no, so what is exactly that, that we're, we're fearful of? There's that feeling of trepidation when you walk into somebody who's, who's, who, who exudes holiness. So it's not really fear. It's really awe. You're in the presence of something great. You may not be able to, to identify what that is. But when you're in the presence of something great, there's a sense of awe. And that feels very much like fear. So Yira is that. I don't know exactly if awe or fear or the combination of the two is really what Yira is, but that's that feeling, the awe of Hashem. It's not only, yes, there's an element of Hashem punishing, but we know that even when Hashem punishes, He doesn't punish out of anger. He doesn't punish because, he's, because He wants to hurt us. He punishes it for our own benefit also. Uh, that, that's, the, that's the goal of punishment. So it's not really fear in the traditional sense of you know, the ancient kings who would, who would punish for the sake of punishing. But the beginning of service has to come from this place. A person goes in, he has, he's told, he learns a halacha, he went to Rav Abi's halacha shir, and he learns a halacha that he never knew. And he has to do it. And even though he still has a lot of questions, he's waiting for the follow-up shir to explain why this halacha is this way. He doesn't know why it is, but he keeps that halacha because that's his job as an evet. As a servant of Hashem, my job is that once I know that this is the halacha, then I have to keep it regardless of whether it speaks to me, right? Regardless of whether it feels, it feels right to me, if that's what the halacha is, then I keep it. This is a faithful servitude. This is one who does. The servant doesn't have to know why his master asked him to do something. He doesn't have to necessarily see the big picture. I mean, just think of, you know, uh, think about the, the, the example that I heard many years ago was you have, a, you have an army platoon and they're told by their commanding officer that at exactly one o'clock, we want you to run to the top of this mountain and run right back down. And as it's getting closer and they're about to do this, they start talking and they say, seems a little silly just to run to the top of the mountain and run back down. Why don't we just stay at the bottom of the mountain? We don't have to run. We don't have to exert ourselves. And we'll end up exactly where he wants us to end up anyway. 
right? Meantime, what they don't know is that on the other side of the mountain, there's an enemy, and they're trying to get them to run up the hill and then surround them with an ambush, right? We don't necessarily know the full picture. So sometimes to us, it seems like, is this really, could this really be something that's in service of Hashem? The answer is yes. You just don't have the full, you don't have the full set of facts. So the basic, the basics of Avdus is you need to do what you're told. Whether you understand, understanding is great, but when you don't understand, you need to do it also. But if, which is what we all aspire to, I want my avoidus Hashem to be with higher, higher, with a higher grasp of, of, of I want to feel more meaning in what, I, what I'm doing. And with feeling the tam, the reason or the taste of what I'm doing, that won't last. Because then when I don't feel like it, then I won't. Then I won't serve. If I don't feel like getting up tomorrow morning for davening, so then I won't get up for davening. If I know it's great when I feel like getting up for davening, and when I'm excited about davening, that's great. That's a, that's a nice level. But even when I don't feel like it, I'm going to do it anyway, because that's what Hashem wants from me. Therefore, one's avoidance Hashem has to start with this, with emuna. I don't know anything, I don't understand anything, I don't feel anything, but I'm going to do it because that's what Hashem wants. That we have to know that what Hashem is asking us to do is going to correct our souls. And that is the, the, the main uh, lifeblood that we have, and that's what, what we came down to this world. To serve Hashem. With simple faith, without knowing anything, without any kind of uh, understanding. Whether I feel a reason or I feel a flavor to what I'm doing or I don't. Now, that is step one. That's step, that stage one. But then, you know what happens? Then Hashem has Rachmanus on us. Because He knows that that is a very difficult way to go through one's entire life. It's fine for certain moments. It's fine for certain periods in our life. But it's not the way, it's, it's, not, it's not very exciting for a person to live that way, and it's difficult for a human being to live that way. So Hashem says, Then Hashem gives you pleasure and understanding, comprehension in the avoida that you're doing. That's already called a krisis bris. So you have avdus, that's the first level. You have to do it because you have to do it. Then there's a krisis bris where you start to feel more and you start to understand more. And that's what it says, the Pasuk in Nehemiah talking about Avram says, He found in his heart a, a, a faithful one before him. In his heart. The, his heart was, became into it as well. Initially Avram Avinu, right? When I think about Avram Avinu in the house of Terach with all the idols or being thrown into the Kivshan Eish, he had not had conversations with Hashem yet. He was still very much in the dark. He was still very much in the dark. He served Hashem based on simple Emunah. Then, then HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave him a bris. Then he was able to enjoy pleasure and, and understanding in his avoida. But even once you reach this level, so you get to that point and Baruch Hashem you enjoy learning. And Baruch Hashem you enjoy davening. Or whatever mitzvah speaks to you, you find some enjoyment in those things. You appreciate why they're, why they're so important and why they're so good. But you still have to have that foundation 
that foundation of avdus. Because there are times where that's taken away from a person. There are just days, no matter how excited you are, you could be like, your mitzvah could be shachris. And you normally wake up an hour before davening, and you go to the mikvah, and you, you say tillim before davening, and you're excited, and you're looking forward to davening. But there are going to be days where you just want to stay in bed. It's, there's three feet of snow outside. I really just don't want to get out of bed. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to sh- three feet's a little bit extreme. This, we live in New York. Seven inches of snow. I got to go clear off the car. I had a late night last night. The baby was up. Whatever. There are going to be days where you just don't feel like doing it. You just don't feel as, as excited as you maybe have become in that mitzvah. You're just not going to feel like it. That's when you need to fall back on the original. Doesn't matter. I do it because I do it. I don't have to. It's great when I feel, but I don't have to. So now explains the Rebbe. That's why you need both. That's why you need both. Because if you only had the do it because I, because I told you so, right? Not that I ever heard that from my parents, but I've heard, I've heard that parents say that. You'll, you'll do it as long as you live under my roof. You'll follow my rules, right? You need, you need to have that. But if you just have that, it's a, it's, it's a difficult existence. It's very hard to then ever get excited about anything. You need both. But you also need... You also need I'm sorry, so, you, so that alone wouldn't be good. But if you just had a hava alone, if you just were, you're only serving Hashem when you're on fire with Hashem, so we know how that ends up. Then there are days that I'll, that I'll, I'll be great, and there are days that I'm just not going to get out of bed. That's why you have to serve Hashem with both. You need to have both Ahava and both Yira. The two together create a complete a completion. And that's how a person can be consistent and persistent in serving Hashem. By having both. One without the other is going to have many holes in it. It's just not going to be the way it's supposed to be. Now, who's the first one to, find, to strike the right balance? And we alluded to this a little bit last week, was Yaakov Avinu. Teferis is glory. Teferis is splendor. Teferis means everything is in the proper balance. It has the right mixture of Ahav of Yira. By the way, the right mixture of Ahav and Yira, as we just explained, is going to depend on the day. There are some days where my Avoda is going to be mostly Ahava type of, type of Avoda, right? Comes to a Simchas Torah. I mean, this past year excluded, but generally on a Simchas Torah or a Sukkot or a Pesach, Seder night, right? There, those tend to be much stronger with Ahava. A day where you're feeling inspired or a day that you feel like something really went well, you'll tend to lean towards the Ahava. And then there are those days that are, that are, that are much more Yira-based. But the balance has to be there to, to know when to use which one. And Yaakov was the first one to strike that balance perfectly. The Imkain, he nikris midas emes. That's why it's called Yaakov. If you refer, we refer to, if you remember a couple of weeks ago, we mentioned that Yaakov is referred to as chesed and ahava. And we have to explain why that's really the same thing. The same thing is true here with Tiferes and emes. Emes means truth. Truth means the, the proper balance. Having the right balance between different things, that's how you get the truth, right? You, there, there are very few facts in a vacuum. But there are very few, for example, one, one of the examples I remember hearing was, if you ask somebody, are you allowed to murder? So most people's instinct would be, no, you're not allowed to murder. But that's not true. MS says that there are sometimes, if somebody breaks into your house in the middle of the night and it's you or them, then the Torah says you are allowed to, look, to kill that person, right? So th- there's very little that's black and white in this world. I mean, that's becoming clearer and clearer because it seems like it's all gray today. But MS is what it, it understands that there are, there are, there are, 
balances that you have to have, and that's what, that's what comes to Emes. It says in the Pesach, in Micha, the Hashem gave Emes to Yaakov, that lasts forever. That the, the, the language of Emes will last forever. And they, those will last. When you have both of these together, then you have Emes. Either Mida on its own, even though they're very important and very holy, but either Mida of Ahava and Yira cannot, last, cannot survive on their own. Right, that was the, the medrash said before, that grandchildren are crowned for the, for the parents, children are crowned for the parents, parents are crowned for the children. Avram was the embodiment of chesed v'yahava. That what happens with this is, though, that when you have all, all ahava, there's a lot of junk. There's a lot of junk that comes along with that. Umizeh, and from that junk, in the purification of Avram, Avram had this amazing chesed and ahava. And Avram knew how to use it. Now, I, I, what we'll see in a minute is Avram also had a very healthy sense of yira also. He had a very strong sense of yira. But what he, the midah that he embodied was this midah of ahava. When that goes unchecked by yira, when that doesn't have the counterbalance of, of, of yira, what happens is, umizeh noilad yishmael. Yishmael comes from a, a, a hava that knows no boundaries. There are no borders. There are no, everything is for the taking. I don't care about any, any of the rules, right? I don't think I have to give examples for this. We just, you could turn on any news station. Yishmael doesn't, nothing's off limits, nothing's out of bounds. There's no rules. There's no rules. When, I'm, when you're in love, there's no rules. There's no, everything is, everything goes, everything is okay. That is a hava that's a very, very unhealthy Ahava. Avram Avinu needed to flush that out of his system. That part of the Ahava, and therefore Yishmael was born. That was the junk. That was the remnants. On to the next page, Kufnun Dalid. That was, the, that was the, the, the uncontrolled part of the Ahava that had to be weeded out of Avram Avinu. What was Yitzchak's Midah? Gvura, Vira, strength. And, and yira, and awe, fear. We, we know what was Esav's midah. Okay, Esav is not our present uh, uh, problem, but we've had plenty of problems about uh, 80 years ago. That was Esav, right? Esav is complete cruelty. It's, it's, it's strictness and din and, and, and strength without any ahava, without any emotion, without caring about anything. That had to be weeded out out of Yitzchak. That had to be filtered out of Yitzchak. Only then could Yaakov come. Once we've purified the, 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 the good elements of Ahava and the good elements of Yira, now we can create a Yaakov who knows how to balance them. He was able to, the proper mixture of these two, Shumidas Rachamim, which is the Midah of mercy, Viteferes and splendor, Nikayim Belisigim Musaris. There's no there's no garbage anymore. There's nothing, there's nothing extra. There's no side things. That's why we said that Yaakov Avinu is mitase shlema. Yaakov Avinu is the first of the Avos that all of his children were Kedoshim. All of them were Kedoshim because it's already been filtered through. Now Avram, you see, we, we, it's very caref- we have to be very careful not to misunderstand this. Avram had very little in common with Yishmael. 
except that they were both drawn to the side of Ahava. But Avram knew how to temper his Ahava, his Chesed, with Yira. And that's what it means, Avram Hoyledes Yitzchak. Avram was not in, disconnected from Gvura. It wasn't his, it wasn't his, his uh, forte. It wasn't his, I'm, I'm not thinking of the right word, but it wasn't his prime midah. But he had, he gave birth to Yitzchak. He was able to create a person who was Gvura. He, was, he had Gvura in him. There was a part of him that had to be weeded out. That was Yishmal. But the Torah is telling us, Avram Hoyledes Yitzchak, this is not giving us genealogy. It's telling you, don't think that Avram was like Yishmal. Avram and Yishmal could not, Yishmal never gave birth to a Yitzchak. Yishmal had no Midas Hayira in him. Yishmal was pure Ahava without anything balancing it out. That's the idea that the, that the crown of the children are the fathers and the grandchildren or the children are, are the father's crowns and, and vice versa. Right? Uh, I'm sorry, I skipped a line there. And Yitzchak also was nothing like Esav. Yitzchak had the midah of Ahava from his father. In, in him, Gvura was more dominant. But he had the midah of Ahava from his, from his father, which Esav did not have. Right? Esav was pure Gvura. Yishma was pure, was pure Ahava. Yaakov is now this balance of those two Midas that have been purified. And, and what Yaakov, Avram and Yitzchak were doing, they were creating this. Avram adopted the Midas of Yitzchak, and Yitzchak adopted the Midas of Avram. Yaakov strikes the final balance. That's what the Pasuk is telling us. We know who Yitzchak is. We know who Avram is. We could have just said, Ve'ela told us Yitzchak. But it's telling you, you know who Yitzchak is? He's Ben Avram. He had Gvura, but he had Gvura with Avram's Ahava. You want to know who Avram was? He, had, he was Ahava, but Hoylis Yitzchak. He also had Yitzchak's Yira. They, were, they, they, were, they incorporated each other's Midas into, the, into each other. And the Torah is telling us that here. Why? Because we're about to bring Yaakov into the world. The Torah is about to introduce the birth of Yaakov. The, the Torah is telling us, that's how this happened. This is not just, Yaakov didn't just come out perfect. This was Avram putting the work into Yitzchak and having to separate Yishmael and, and, and Yitzchak doing the same thing with Esav. The work went in and he, they understood the balance that was needed to be, to be struck. Yaakov <laughs> That they each took from each other's midas, even though it wasn't their strongest midah. That's the words of the Ber Hetev. Okay, so now what the Salam Rebbe wants to do for us is explain to us how, how this works in a few other areas. So let's just speak outside for a minute and then we'll, we'll go back into the Sivisham. There's a story in this week's parsha about a sale. It's the sale of the Bechaira. Right? And the sale of the Bechaira, if you think about it, is, is a, it almost seems... Like like a, like a fairy tale. Like what, what do you mean you're selling the bechira? If if I have a, I have a brother who's two and a half years younger than me, he could offer to buy the the fact that I'm the firstborn all day and all night. I'm still biologically I'm the firstborn. I'm two and a half years older than him. It, how do you sell something that's not 
able to be sold. So what, what's happening in this sale of the Bukhar, right? We know that Yaakov, Esav comes back from the field, he pour, he, he's very hungry, Yaakov says, sell me the Bukhara, and Esav does it, and it seems to have worked. The sale took hold. So, the, so, so, so what's really going on in that story? It seems like a, like a silly story. Based on what we just said, we can understand this th- idea of Esav selling the Bukhara to Yaakov. It, it seems to be a factual situation. Whoever was born first is the firstborn. It's in the word firstborn, right? It's, it, it's there. You can't, you can't change that. That the, the, the older child has, we see this in halacha also, that the Bukhar takes a pishnaim in the nachla of the father, in the, in, the, in the inheritance of the father, that the Bukhar gets a double portion, right? There's something inherent, and what that reflects is that the firstborn child Firstborn son, specifically, is the reflection of the father. That he's the strongest reflection of the father. Okay? Right? This is, I used to, I used to uh, torment my brother with this all the time. That S is me. You know, you have, to, you have to respect your older brother. You have to respect your older... Certainly, it's a question whether it's older brother or oldest brother, but I qualified as both, so... I really uh, used it to lord it over him. The Esavicha, the it, it includes... So why? Why would the terrorist say? Because he happened to have the good fortune of being born a couple of years before you, so now you have to respect him? No, the reason why you have to respect him is because he contains something more of the essence of the, of the, of the father. There's something about the father to his firstborn. There's something... Uh, there's a greater reflection of the father in that, in that firstborn. He has a greater... A portion of the father. The Imkain, therefore, if that's true, so Esav was the Bukhar. So how could he sell that? How could you how could you sell that? But based on what we are just explaining, that it, that's in a normal situation. In a normal situation, you have a father who has five sons. The oldest son is the, has some kind of an extra chalik of the father in him. That's the way that, 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 that Hashem put into creation, that the oldest child, the oldest son, has that extra part of the father. But we just explained that the reason why Yishmael and Esav were born before Yitzchak and Yaakov was for a whole different reason. Here it was to filter, to filter away the, 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 the negative things. So therefore, the fact that Yitzchak was born, Yishmael was born before Yitzchak, not because he was a Bachar, because he reflected Avram better. If anything, just the contrary, to the contrary. He was filtering out what didn't reflect his father so that the next son would, would more properly reflect uh, the father. We want to get rid of the, the extra, the, 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 the sledge of, of, of Avram. That was Yishmael. Then Yitzchak could be born. We have the same thing by Yitzchak. We first had to get rid of the negatives of Gvura. That was like the extras, the, 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 the stuff we didn't want. Only then could Yaakov be born. That means that in these two unique cases, in these two, I'm glad my brother never learned this Nesiv Shalom because he would have had a good defense. He could have said maybe you were the, the, the getting rid of the problems and now I'm the, uh, and now I'm the, I'm the pure Bechar. But really when it comes to Yishmael and Esav, they were, it was not a typical Bukhar situation. 
It was just the opposite. This was getting rid of the stuff we needed to get rid of so that the real Bechor could be born. And therefore, what Yaakov was doing was just acknowledging the reality. They were just, this, this sale wasn't changing anything. It was acknowledging the reality that really Yaakov was that reflective son of Yitzchak. And it was, and it was not Esav. Now we can explain another Maimer Chazal. See, if you'll notice that if the Deceiver Shalom, when he asks questions, the questions he asks, they're very obvious questions. And if it was you or I asking the question, we would be asking them very sarcastically. The Rebbe was not a sarcastic person, but we would ask them sarcastically. He asked these questions that when you hear his questions, you wonder how I've heard this medrash before and this never bothered me because they're very obvious questions. He says, it says, Chazal tell us, the Mechilta tells us by Parshish Yisrael, by the Aserus Adibras, it says, that the first two of the Aserus that I am Hashem your God, and you shall have no other gods. They were said in one, in one at one at one split second. Now it's hard, we don't understand how that's possible because in the physical world that's not possible. But at at Matantira, at the, that that happened. Those two dibras were said simultaneously. Okay. Now he says he says why is that so good? Like what Chazal telling us something impressive about these two Aseris Adibras, right? That these two were said at once. Why does that make it impressive? Because they were said simultaneously. And then he says, and this is where I with it where I would say this very sarcastically. And how does it change anything for like why do why do I care? Right, well, like, that's, that's really what the Rebbe is saying. Like, why should we care that they were said as two separate state sentences, one sentence, what's the difference? How does that change anything for us? He says, But now this is, and this really gets to the crux of what we're learning here today. Represents what? If I asked you, is that a Hava or Yira? I am Hashem, your God. That's, that's a love-based statement. I am your God. I took you out of Mitzrayim. I'm your God. I, I, I'm, I'm here. I'm here with you. I'm in, I'm in your life. You shouldn't have other gods. That's a negative statement. That's Yira. So he says, The Anoichi Hashem Lekecha, in the Aseris Adibras, we know that Chazal tell us that the entire Torah is included in the Aseris Adibras, and the entire Aseris Adibras is included in the first Dibra, but now that we're saying that the second and the first really came as one, so they're all in those two. So he says that the Anoichi Hashem Lekecha, that includes all the mitzvahs Aseh. Put on tefillin, take an esrig, sit in a sukkah, light candles, all the positive commandments in the Torah, that's included in Anoichi Hashem Lekecha, the love. That's a, anytime we do a positive commandment, we're, it's an expression of love to Hashem. Right? We do, I'm doing something. If you, if you buy your husband or your wife a gift, that's an expression of love. That's a, that's a thing. If I don't do something that the other person wouldn't want, that's an expression of fear. Right? I don't want to forget to take out the garbage. Right? I don't want to forget to pay the bills and the electric gets cut off. Right? I don't want to do those things because she's going to be very upset at me if I do. That's not necessarily express. So when I pay the bill, I'm really, that's really a, a license. I'm trying to prevent a, fall, a fallout. Right? So he says, all of the positive commandments, all those expressions of love from us to Hashem, that's included in Anoichi Hashem Alekecha. And the, the, the second Dibra, that includes all of the negative commandments, right? Don't steal, don't kill, 
don't eat treif, all those negative commandments, those, come, those are more fear-based. The negative commandments are more fear-based. Uvo chazal. So what were chazal telling us that they were said in one statement, in one breath, in, at, one, at the same time? Lamdenu shebedibar echad nemru. What was the point of saying that? Hainu shahava v'yiru nemru bedibar echad. Lahayru is to teach us shashlamus hi al yidei beiz hamidas yachtav. That to be a complete Jew, just like a Jew can't decide, I'm only going to keep the positive commandments or I'm only going to keep the negative commandments. It's a package deal. You want to be an Oivar Hashem, you have to do what you're supposed to do when you're supposed to do it, and you're not supposed to do what you're not supposed to do when you're not supposed to do it, right? That's, that's what it means to, to, be, to be an Oivar Hashem. Chazal were telling us, they were said at one time, lest you think you can do one without the other. They come together, they're in one statement, they're in one breath, they come at the exact same time. You need both. One without the other doesn't work. Then the serving of Hashem is complete, and it's consistent. Then it takes on MS that will last forever. Which was the Midah of Yaakov. But either one on its own, without the other one included, it can't last. That's why Yaakov is referred to as Bechir Ha'avis. He's the choice Choicest one of the of the others. Kivan shayamidas teferes haklula b'shersha mibez hamidas ava v'yira keecha. That's together. Now the Rebbe likes to do a lot. We haven't seen one yet this year, but he always likes to tie. He li- very often he likes to finish off by tying it into Shabbos. So I'll ask you a question. We know that the, we, we just saw Chazal say that the first two Dibras, without looking at the next paragraph, uh, Chazal said that the first two Dibras were said uh, at the same time. What else, what other statements do we know were said at the same time, that were said concurrently? So Chazal tell us the same thing about Shabbos, Zohar and Shamar, right? A lot of the things that we have for Shabbos are for Zohar and for Shamar. Zohar, Zohar, as Yom HaShabbos, Lekadshoi, and Shomar, as Yom HaShabbos, right? So, Vizel, my Shomru Chazal. The Gemara in Shabbos tells us, Hama'anigas HaShabbos, Noistin le'nachle blimitzarm. Somebody who delights in Shabbos, who makes Shabbos enjoyable, pleasurable. So, he's given an inheritance without boundaries. That you may sound familiar from the Shabbos Day Kiddush. Avram and Yitzchak, their inheritance was limited. In what way? It only went to one of their two sons. Right? Their, their inheritance didn't go to everybody. It went to one of their two. Yaakov had enough for all of his children. Had enough for all of his sons. Shnemar and the Pasuk, it's coming up in... Two weeks in the beginning of Parshas Vayetze, after the dream with the ladder, Ufaratza Yomav Akedmat Svan of Enigma. Hashem tells to Yaakov Avinu, "You're going to spread all directions in the world. There's no limits to the brachas that you're going to have." Why is it that the person who keeps Shabbos? Why specifically Shabbos? We know there's 613 mitzvahs in the Torah. Tell me some other mitzvahs that give me this type of thing. Why, this connection to Yaakov. Why is Shabbos so connected to Yaakov? She nachlas blim mitzarm, that it's nachlas blim mitzarm. Dehine, gam legabe mitzvahs ha-Shabbos, amru chazal, shamar v'zachar b'dibor echad nemru. The Medrash tells us, it's also a mechilta, they're both mechiltas, and both on Parshas Yisrael, that besides the fact that the two first dibras were said in one breath, so too were Zohar and Shamar. And that's why you have in Parshas Yisroi, um, I think you have Zohar, and in Parshas Aschani you have Shamar, right? That's the two sets of Aserah Sedibras. They're really said at the same time, but 
you can't write them on top of each other because then you wouldn't be able to read it. So, Shezachar umitzvah sasei mimida sahaba. What does Zachar mean? Zachar means Kiddush. Zachar means a nice Shabbos table, candles, all the things that add all the positive things on Shabbos. Shamar humitzvah lois sasei mimida sahira. What is Shamar? Shamar, all these things you can't do. You can't carry, you can't cook, you can't do a lot of things on Shabbos, right? We know that there's a lot of things that one can't do on Shabbos. Ubedibur echad nemru. They were said in one breath, in one, in one word. Shabbos Kodesh Kolelus as Habez Hamidas Ava V'Yira because Shabbos also includes these two Midas of Ahav and Yira Ke'echad Asher Yachtiv Mahav Shleimus that together they bring about Shleimus complete completion V'Zui Midasay Shal Yaakov B'Chiravas and that was the Mida of Yaakov. Therefore, somebody who keeps Shabbos appropriately, you're 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 acting Yaakovdik. Right, you're you're balancing the two because Shabbos. You know the the question always is that maybe you should say Shabbos. I should just stay in bed for twenty five hours. There's no chance of me violating Shabbos, and that, would that be considered a beautiful Shabbos? No, because there's a zochar part of Shabbos. Yes, on the shamar part, you would make sure that you didn't violate anything anything for Shabbos. But that's not what Hakadosh Baruch Hu wants. Hakadosh Baruch Hu wants that balance, that that way for us to find that equilibrium between these two things. That is acting like a Yaakov person. That's Yaakov's way of of that balance. V'zeu shama berchasem I'm sorry berachto mikala yamim v'kidashto mikala azmanim. Hashem says, I blessed this from all the days and I sanctified it from all the times. That the Shabbos is these two things at once. These two contradictory things, but if you, if you can blend them like Yaakov, that's the most beautiful Shabbos. That's the highest level. The Midah of Yaakov, who is the choicest of the, of, of the forefathers.